Hope, what have you been up to? You seen it? Have you been in the wrestling match or football? <sighs> I just, I just want to pretend like we're friends before we do these things. Hope. Welcome to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser, and I'm Hope Busby, and we are here once again to talk about our favorite college visiting, car dodging, boyfriend cheering. Those two are the same. This book and the next two books have a different author. Right. We would like to welcome to the team Walter Kerrig. It feels like he knows the tropes of Nancy Drew and he's using them almost sarcastically. Poking fun at some of the classism. He has a lot of believable side characters who you actually want to hear about. He puts overemphasis on the male characters. He's right that they haven't been previously developed, but that's kind of the appeal. Like Ned is supposed to just be Nancy's arm candy. He had Carson Drew go bowling. Giving Carson Drew that level of a social life outside of the flat kind of standee of Nancy's dad and lawyer jarred me. My understanding of Carson Drew is he sits in the study and reads. Newspapers. He goes to cases and he pats Nancy's head. Ned's football game takes up a large portion of this book. In the original, it was larger. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to bring something male in. I don't think we need that. No, thank you. Nancy <sighs> Drew is not your cheerleader. He made the strangest choices about which parts of the book to focus on and which parts to skim right over. Well, and some of that we can't tell because it was revised. For instance, you know, there was like just a snowstorm that was just like thrown in there. In his original, it was a whole thing. Therefore, because of the snow, they got snowed in at Emerson. Surprisingly difficult to get your hands on the original text. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, we live in the gym. We do not have money. These original hardcover books are quite expensive. I only have internet access because of the Dunkin' Donuts next door. So. Yes. Carrig brings Helen Corning back. So it's not just like, where'd Helen Corning go? It's like, oh, she must have gone off to college. George and Bess are there, and that's an interesting dynamic. But of course, in the rewrite, they just turned her into a random acquaintance she met. Was that Marion? Yeah. That's so strange. Very friendly, very quickly. Faster than I've ever seen Nancy taking a pet. Puts her in her entourage. And there's no reason not to have her be Helen. Mildred Wirt Benson only didn't write these three books because they're like, can we just pay you a bunch less? And she's like, no. So they hire Walter Carrig. He goes to the Library of Congress and he's like, just so you know, I did write these three books. Stratemeyer Syndicate does not like that. Carolyn Keene is not supposed to have a face. Harriet Adams writes to Mildred in 1950. How many times has the Stratemeyer Syndicate rued the day that Walter Kerrig wrote any books for it? If it were possible to make any claim to the pseudonym of Carolyn Keene, you naturally would have more right to it. So they really don't like this guy and accidentally provide more evidence that Mildred Wirt Benson obviously wrote a number of these novels in the process of sending this letter. There is significantly more drama to being Carolyn Keene than there is to being Nancy Drew. Carolyn Keene is this 007 type moniker that each writer can take but must never tell. Nancy adopts both the writer's bias and the society's bias of, and then also informs that society's bias 
she's more pop art she's a feminist icon in her own way symbolic of girls being able to go out and do things and have arm candy nancy drew isn't a character she's pop art you're not working with someone who you can talk about their motivations when you're a nancy drew writer you're not talking about someone who you can look at their history and know what they're like when you're a nancy drew writer if you're a nancy drew writer someone has said to you here's a coke can give it an adventure if you were to try to look back on nancy drew and make some kind of coherent character expanding over decades and series and different television shows and movies and games it would be highly existential hmm nancy drew sure changes every day yeah santa claus superman (laughs) nancy drew (laughs) yes exactly in the same way superman is iconic she is and she represents more than a character could after seven books of the casserole that harriet adam stratemeyer made of mildred wirt benson's work I am excited to have a brand new mixed up casserole. Walter is noted for bringing in a lot more food, though it was obviously heavily edited out because we only get a few nice meals. Nancy Drew Eats, who follows us on Instagram, will be excited to know we had at least one full meal described to us. Yes. (laughs) It's clear that he's trying to set up the Nancy Drew cinematic universe. And right away you learn they're driving back from a night at Red Gate Farm. Which you may remember from book six, but they'll remind you that she stopped some counterfeiters there. They have a legit apple orchard. The same time as being clearly an amusement park of sorts. Right. My family does enjoy going out every fall to Redgate Farm (laughs) to fill up our trunk with fruits and vegetables and do the spooky counterfeit tour. And jump on the giant trampoline. Used to be their, their rose bed. Oh, I love it. Their trunk is full of fruits and vegetables from the farm. It's a chilly November. A chilly November morning. Yes. Which I had to go back and check. Two chapters in, it was lunchtime, and I was like, how? Bess is no longer pleasantly plump. This shook me. Bess's behavior was suddenly human and normal, and not once did the narrator passive-aggressively tell me how many servings Bess had had. He does describe her as slightly overweight when Bess Marvin grinned, Her deep dimples showed prominently. And it's interesting because you would expect him to make more commentary on women's bodies. But in a sense, he does just by like making it not important. Actually describes the male characters physically more than the female characters. A lot of time must have passed because suddenly Ned and Nancy are clearly already close. And two of Ned's friends are now dating George and Bess separately. There's no polyamory in this group. We don't know there's not. (laughs) George gives Bess a dark look. Do you always have to think of the romantic side of things? (laughs) Because now that she's not berating her about her weight, she has to lean into the romance. Seems more good natured than it's ever been before. Yeah, George is much more likable in this book. Let's go do this, Nancy. And it's like a bold plan. Nancy sees a mailman with very little understanding of how his job works offers him a ride. And he's like, no, 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 no. I gotta stop at all the houses. Yeah, I have to do my job. But he's very old. The wind is blowing right through his bones so she's like when you get to my house we're gonna have hot cocoa for you she gets to her house and she's like hey hannah hey we'll make hot cocoa for him yeah why don't you go make hot cocoa for him hannah might have been pretty excited i think she had an interest in ira that housekeeper of yours is a fine kind woman 
and she's one of a few people a man likes to confide in. They were certainly good friends, at the very least. Mm. Comes in, has hot cocoa and homemade cookies. His mail gets stolen that he still has. Don't bury the lead. Build up to it. I was shook. I know. You and I, for two reasons. One is, we live in a gymnasium. And two is, we, like more modern houses, have an idea of an entryway as something open to the house. You're always so much more interested in the architecture than I am. There's a staircase in front of you, probably. Is it a stone staircase? No, it's going to be wood. I don't know why... I have such a specific idea of what Nancy Drew's house looks like, but I do. That house changes every book. (laughs) But it is brick and it's away from the road with a big old driveway, so you know it's nice. Oh, yeah. If you're going to invite a mailman into your house for hot cocoa, lock the front door. If you're going to break the law, cover your tracks. The Postal Service isn't just, you know, someone you can cheat on your husband with. Is that a reference to something or a personal fantasy? You haven't ever heard about the mailman? I thought it was the milkman. It's both. Anyone who comes to your house, really. Yeah, because the whole idea was like delivery people. Trust no one. Not with the sanctity of your woman's chambers. Like. Oh my god. So she runs out into the street and interviews a little kid. Tommy! Tommy, the little kid. The little kid. Who wants to be a detective. A detective. So you can just hear the gap tooth sticky fingers. You see, Nancy, I did see a man. I saw a man run away from your house. I saw a man running away from your house stuffing letters into his pockets and coat. It was a yellow coat. His hat was yellow. He got into a car. His car was yellow. Here's half the license plate number. I'm a child. And he just wants his badge, which Nancy happens to have because somebody gave it to her as like a prank. It's not. She likes to put it on and look in the mirror. Well, we don't know that. And this is the place where I'm like, is this parody? He goes, this car, it was a beat up old thing. I guess he's pretty poor. Little snot. (laughs) I mean, kids don't understand. Of course he's poor. He's the bad guy. Of course he's tall and thin. He's the bad guy. But let's like not pretend that we don't understand we're being classist let's just be overt about it this time (laughs) he wasn't even poor he was running a booming business she goes inside and says to the mailman ira this is what he looked like and ira says i'm going to faint now yeah he he just faints he just faints and while he's fainted hannah decides to tell nancy he lives over there he's had family trouble this is his family trouble his health has been like this he's like hannah quotes his brother as having said to him, I'll make you suffer for this. I'll ruin you. To which Nancy says, do you suppose that has something to do with the mystery? I suppose it does. (laughs) Ira gets woken up. It says to Nancy, guess that doctor's shot put new life into me. What shot did the doctor who is not your doctor, but was just living up the street, give you a fainted man? He's being drugged by strange men to feel great. <laughs> Probably cocaine or something. I mean, yeah, you've got ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it, right? Yes. <laughs> she calls her dad because one of the letters was for him. And oh my God, he's like, yes. oh, that was probably money from Mrs. Quigley. Who I've told not to send me money, but she's an old coot. Nancy says to her dad, isn't it unusual for people to send money through the mail nowadays? <laughs> Yeah, Um, it's all money orders, which are stolen anyway, Nance. Indeed it is, and a very bad thing to do. I just had a realization. This new writer wrote a male-centric book about (laughs) mail fraud. Oh my gosh. After she calls her dad and the ambulance comes for Ira, Nancy and her friends 
decided to follow him to the hospital. After they were done at the hospital, like, it just skips this whole thing. Yeah, and one wonders, did this just get clipped out? So now we've got our cliffhanger. The best cliffhanger. She gets home, the door opens. You want to read this quote? Young lady, you've broken the law. You're in trouble with the authorities. It's the postal inspector. And you mentioned there's some big words in this book. This young man looks at her superciliously. Super seriously. He's not very much older than her, and that annoys her. But she tries to give him due deference due to his station. This guy doesn't say, oh, Carson Drew. He says, what does your father have to do with this? I love someone saying that to Nancy. Like, look, I'm interviewing you. Our new author gets into his understanding of the law. As Nancy says, well, don't those accused have a right to a lawyer? And he's like, you got me with words. (laughs) What crime did she commit, Hope? What was the specific crime? Was it separating a mailman from his bag? No. Inviting him into the house. I guess I won't build up. She broke the law the second she saw Ira and invited him in. Here in River Heights, it happens all the time. You go up to a postal worker and you'll say, hey, do you want to come inside? And he'll say, stop, I'm an undercover policeman. (laughs) I've been working this beat for two years waiting to catch someone. You're under arrest for inviting me in. Mr. Drew finds this story of her kicking this guy out hilarious. And he's just like, good on you for telling him you should have a lawyer. (laughs) And I guess she did a good job because it never comes up again. Then we hear about church. We have to hear about church several times in this book. It says Nancy thought about the case all morning and on the way to and from church. To church? Mystery. After church? church? Mystery. Mystery. During church? Pure thoughts of God. I was so psyched to find out this was the man in the yellow hat. But no, it's the man in the camel hair hat with the camel hair coat and the tan car. Tommy's the worst detective. I mean, he did get half the license plate number. It was <laughs> Edgar, Edgar Nixon. Nixon. Now, is Dixon this... Nixon in the original 1930s. What? Changed to Nixon in the 50s. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. Good on you, as it's now a name that sounds bad to me. He's a this... hottie. Will you let me build up to things? <laughs> Villain. Villain. Yeah! Hot villain! Check it and see. So we find, we find out he's very handsome, which really means he can't be the criminal. You would think. But some people use their powers for evil. What remains true is he's tall, thin, and his eyes are cruel. But he is handsome. So Ira... It's like, look at this hot picture of my brother. I don't think he's the bad guy because he's always so nice to me when he comes around and yells at me and abuses me for money. <laughs> the girls like him. And then Nancy's oh, this like, is great. oh, can I maybe keep this photo? For evidence. For evidence, yeah. And Ira goes, oh, so you like him too. <laughs> if conservatively... His mother waited 20 years between children. His younger brother is 40 years old? No, Ira. Nancy does not want to put a picture of your 40-year-old brother on her notebook with hearts. And I love that she very pointedly does not respond. There's another thing Walter loves to do. She detected, she was sassy, and she didn't just get information by talking to everyone about everything. She played her cards close and had to search for things. 
throughout Nancy Drew is this famous male lawyer treating his daughter as an equal and encouraging her pursuit of detective work. Of course she's his equal. He had a secret boast about having trained her to be. In this novel, the father keeps remembering things about when she was younger. Mm -hmm. She feels like a teenager in this one. With a little mist in his eyes and goes, oh, they grow up so fast. Yeah. When you were a little girl, Nancy... You were always eager to have things happen. Boy, you're excited to have things happen. Don't you like it when nothing happens? Here she returns the affection a little affectionately. Not saying, okay, but just, oh dad. She wants to go visit Ira. Two Two busybodies from the neighborhood. (laughs) Two neighbors just walk up to find out how he's doing. Time for some detective work. I'm going to ask them about Edgar. And they're like, that Edgar is nasty. I imagine them kind of like that nosy neighbor in that darn cat. The the trope of the nosy neighbor, but this one's just kind of pleasant. Yes. <laughs> and didn't have the luck to live next to someone doing anything, so it's just Ira. She finds out from them, Edgar has been there the night before and dropped mail all over the place. Because he sped off. Letters just flew from his car. <laughs> so they collected them and put them in the garbage. Nancy, rather than clinging to these things as little mementos, souvenir clues, just leaves them in the trash can. And she says to them, you might want to take care of that. You might want to call the postal service. We completely skipped that Nancy Drew is actually working two mysteries. Who wrote a letter to Nancy Drew? From London. Ira says, oh, Nancy, you've got a letter in here. After it's stolen, he says, "I I don't know... Who it's from. Gosh, three words, something. Mulberry or Mulberry, something. we'll say. So she has her father call an acquaintance in London to look for a law firm. This is before the internet. The point is she finds them. This letter was addressed to Nancy Smith Drew. How she regrets that she's not that Nancy who can make millions of dollars off of being an heiress. Nancy, you're going to be all right. So Nancy, in the meantime, is driving over this bridge chasing this guy she thinks is edgar to like ask him stuff i guess she does get the rest of that license plate she chases him across the bridge she knows her car is heavier than his halfway across she hears a crack oh she said aloud yeah i bet she did i'll do the work walter of adding context to that statement so she does what any reasonable driver in a high-speed chase across a crumbling American infrastructure would do, puts her car in reverse and backs off the bridge. Now, dear listener, but a wise man once said that an object in motion is not going to reverse so easily. (laughs) Oh, that was close. It's not like the bridge crumbles. It's around the next bend that he crashes, so you could have caught up. She's on a nameless road, but she's like, you'll know it because it's the one with the old bridge when she talks to the chief. The one that is going to kill someone someday soon. So now she goes home and uh, once again, this is a place where I'm like, is Walter just poking fun at Nancy? He has this over the top woman come in. Girls these days driving cars. I don't approve of it. I mean, maybe she doesn't appreciate (laughs) girls destroying all the bridges of River Heights. And, And she's just like bigger than life. Mrs. Skeets takes none of Nancy's baloney. And Nancy takes none of Mrs. Skeet's baloney. And what you end up with is a lot of friggin' baloney. She's clearly lower class than Nancy. She does things that Nancy hates. She shows up to Nancy's house and says, 
I heard my mail was stolen from here. Give me $10. Poorly dressed in a worn looking coat. Yeah. Stringy bleached hair. By all rights, she should be a villain. And she is not. In fact, she (laughs) aids the case. Because it's like he's tinkering with a trope. I mean, it's true. I want to give you some Mrs. Skeets flavor. Please. I am Mrs. Skeets, and now that you've heard it, you'll never forget it. Which is how I want to always introduce myself. That's how I'm going to start introducing myself. And don't tell me you're not Nancy Drew. Don't be pert, miss. I'll tell you in my own good time why I came here. (laughs) Why are you here? Don't be pert. And Nancy literally thinks to herself, was this woman unbalanced? (laughs) It's like, oh, a woman being bold and kind of a jerk to Nancy? They must be crazy. I'm Sailor Joe Skeet's wife. I mean, that explains it. You know, Nancy, Sailor Joe. Which is my bad luck. Never forgive him for forever selling off and leaving me to get along the best I can. Nancy's mysterious letter. Walter Carrig comes to terms with the people he's hurt and left behind in his many years at sea, ultimately creating a rich tapestry of people who probably hate him. It was this couple, Joe and Maud Skeet's, that caused me such pause everything had been weird so far and i was like okay it's a different writer and here i was like no i gotta look this guy up i stopped reading i look him up and of course his wikipedia comes up and the first thing you see is him in his little sailor's hat <laughs> toot, toot. oh that checks out i love that she slips in you're just like all the other nancy drews have you known many <laughs> just the two you and the one that's important to the book <laughs> both cut out of the same cloth fair not everybody who isn't rich isn't good nancy (laughs) you're both the same pretty and part of a populace i hate so nancy won't give her the ten dollars so she's like consider giving me ten dollars for the information i can give you on this other nancy drew and nancy's like no way i'm stubborn and unhappy with you and she's like okay well you know where to find me here's my address it's like a few blocks from you but it's not fancy we're just plain folks there listen we all know river heights is cottage street technically near where nancy lives sure but you know that the only way to get into that community is to go through one street and then it's all cul-de-sacs in nancy's neighborhood so it's not (laughs) easy to get from cottage street to the nice homes i mean there's separation there when she does go there with her tail between her legs the next day because her dad recommends she does go and get this information Mm -hmm. the street is described as like pretty much the same as nancy's the lawns are taken care of everything's fine but the the paint is chipped. These you houses. say that as if it's not disgusting. <laughs> I also love this Nancy who's no longer like, oh, but I shouldn't judge. Because she's like, oh, this woman might be unbalanced. And then the woman leaves and she's like, what a weirdo. <laughs> And I mean, she is a character, but really, Nancy? Now we have to take a break for her to buy her dad some cufflinks that he likes at this jewelry store. Once again, an errand turns into detective work. (laughs) She finds out Edgar has just been there. Nancy Drew is being searched for by this company in England. She could have been anywhere. In that previous novel, that impersonator that was saying she was Nancy Drew, I would think Nancy would just be, oh yeah, that's the other Nancy Drew. People get us confused all the time did edgar buy a pin for 18 year old nancy drew not in fact the case lest you think this handsome edgar with his 
fairly stylish camel hair coat. This jewelry shopping man is any good. He has bad taste in cufflinks. <laughs> Buys some flashy cufflinks that are bright red and have a black star. And he says, I'll remember those for later. Now she goes and visits Maud's house, but of course Maud isn't home, so she gets to Sailor Joe. Meet Joe. Heave your anchor, lass. This is the first time I've heard Nancy Drew get stories from a person and be like, shut the Judge for yourself. Why, a funny thing happened to me one time when I had shore leave in Melbourne, Australia. For fun, I told one of the dockhands I was a pearl diver. (laughs) And me not being able to swim a stroke. That night after I'd gone to sleep, somebody came and carried me away onto a boat that was really going pearl diving. Ah. Nancy wondered what was so funny about this. do I. I see you don't understand the joke. I don't. You see, where I was brought up, us sailors meant washing dishes when we said pearl diving. Ah! Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> Nancy laughed too, but did not want Joe to get started on another one of his sea yeah. yarns. <laughs> <laughs> that is a story that does seem weirdly adjacent to an inappropriate sailor story. I mean, I think there's an insinuation that this I mean, guy is pretty coarse. Right. We're not putting this in. I hope you realize none of this is going in. And we're back. So after she talks to Sailor Joe and gets info from him and gives him $10 for it, though he doesn't want to take it, she says on her way out, Mrs. Skeets, ask your husband to tell you about her inheritance. If you had been here, you would know. Now Nancy does some detective work, yeah. is staring off into space, which I relate to, <laughs> and Ned calls her. Because she's supposed to come visit him soon. Oh, yeah. Poor Ned. Nancy's like, I'm busy solving two new mysteries. Yeah. He's like, uh, I hope this won't affect the fact that you're supposed to come watch my football game, Nancy. Nancy is like, no, of course not. But, like, if it did, it would. Also, of course I need your help. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the exchange always. You want some of my time? You're going to help me with a case. (laughs) N. Smith Drew is putting on a Shakespeare play. Like, I wonder if N stands for Nancy, Carl. It could. It could be Nancy (laughs) Drew Smith. It could be Natalie. So Ned's like, let me go do some detective work. I'll call you back. Mm. Calls her back. Oh, I still don't know if it's Nancy, but I know she left town. Who did Ned talk to that was able to tell him N. Smith Drew left town, but didn't know what her first name was. Well, he is in a fraternity. He probably just came into the room. They're all drinking beer. Yeah. And, and some guy's like, oh, she left town. Is it? Is her name Nancy? Oh. George's boyfriend has taken over this Shakespeare play because Nancy, or N, <laughs> skipped town. And he doesn't know anything about coaching a Shakespeare play. <laughs> he hardly seemed like the type to be coaching a Shakespearean play. This was fun. Nancy calls all over New York trying to find one of Nancy Smith Drew's previous employers, which good on her, that's some detective work. Right. But she's like, hmm, this is really expensive, all these out-of-state calls. But she makes one more phone call. Yep. And Ned says to her, I can see why you're a good detective. If you don't find hidden gold under one stone, you turn up another. I don't know what that means, but I don't think you should waste your time flipping over a bunch of stones, finding out if they have gold under them. 
Like, and I really don't think you should waste tons of money calling all over New York. Can you put a price on a hobby? True, it's a pretty cheap as far as a hobby goes. And well, Nancy keeps more when than... she ruins her car once in a while. Well, she's going to do that either way. <laughs> she gets she's... discounted vacations. Whether it's whether it's her one hobby of detective work or her other hobby of drag racing, she's going to have car troubles. Suddenly, she remembered something and thought, I still have another case. Yes. He doubles down on, like, Nancy definitely being addicted to crime solving. Like, it, she has to have her fix constantly uh, you, she doesn't want to go into food fast someone with adhd i really understand nancy she stares off into space constantly and she's addicted to the dopamine that like case solving gives her and <laughs> puzzle nancy. solving gives yeah. her i think something phony is going on i have a, a strong hunch because all of a sudden nancy and her dad are off the case i got a call from england and while they had told us that we should search for Nancy Smith Drew, they just called and said, don't search for Nancy Smith Drew. Because a detective agency called them and said that they would search for Nancy Smith Drew. Nancy has to bring Hannah in to corroborate her intuition, to make the point to her dad that this is a woman's intuition. It's not woman's intuition to know that if someone calls you up and offers you something for money, that you're getting free somewhere else... They might be scamming you. I want to believe this is poking fun at the idea that Nancy's intuition <laughs> right. constantly in these books is like, oh, just a part of her character or just like a weird woman's thing that she does. She's just the only person with common sense. And yeah, in this one, you're like, oh, really? Carson Drew, the famous lawyer, can't put together that this is a little phony? If money was not an adequate reason to lie, we would not need detectives. London lawyers are not like River Heights lawyers, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's no problem. Now we don't have to write letters to every Nancy Drew we ever find. <laughs> they just want to close the case. Right. Nancy figures out that Edgar has been living in Ridgefield. Ugh, Ridgefield. Yeah, and she decides so snowy that over her there. and her friends should go ask his landlady about him. Mm -hmm. He never told his brother what he does for a living, and that's pretty shady. Brothers would be closer than that. So her and George call up Bess, and Bess is like, well, I guess I could put on some lipstick and powder and get my hair combed by that time. So they go to Ridgefield, and they enter a snowstorm. Listeners will remember that the reason that storms happen is because Nancy Drew drives, and that is what storms come from. Bess and George dare to question Nancy about whether she has snow tires, and Nancy's like, um, guys, I think I know that I have snow tires. Like, I've driven you guys in the snow before. We've seen Nancy's car get stuck in every type of substance so far. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, even the smartest people can be forgetful sometimes. They go to the landlady who says, Oh, Edgar, you left. This woman doesn't know whether to even let them in or not. She was surprised to see them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what can I do for you? She asked. You lost or just cold? The landlady's like, I don't want to forward this mail. Maybe you could bring it since you know his brother. The reason she needs to forward it is Edgar moved out that morning. Yeah. I love and I love the response. Oh, the three girls chorus. Yes. I have never seen someone see Nancy Drew, mm -hmm. who, may I remind you, looks like a smart enough girl, seems like an intelligent person, doesn't seem like she'd waste my time, and say, All I'll need is an ID. Looks at her driver's license and makes her call the guy. They call up Ira, who verifies it's Nancy. She's the most trustworthy person. Give her the mail. Earlier Ira said, Good news, Nancy. Edgar is innocent. Ira's already convinced that his brother 
could not be a criminal. But while on the phone with his landlady, he confirms. Did Edgar seem like the criminal type to you? No, she says. He paid his rent and never talked to me. It seems like people are pretty quick (laughs) to assume everyone is on the up and up. Oh, I know he didn't steal the mail. He offered to take money to hire a detective to find out who did. To be clear, Ira is being abused. And he's in that phase of accepting his abuse where he's like, I don't know, are they abusing me? Oh my god, you just gave me a whole new look at this. That didn't even occur to me (laughs) that Ira's going out of his way to rationalize the kindness of his abuser. Everything's been said about how this teenage girl can definitely deliver this mail. The girls decide because the sidewalks are snowy, they should walk in the middle of the road. And they get mowed down by these sledders. (laughs) The mail goes into the air. It lands all over the street. And then the sledders continue to come. One by one, the letters are torn asunder. Nancy's bruised. And they gather the mail... And lucky for them, a few of the letters were torn enough they can see what's inside. They find the money inside and a letter saying, thank you for my new husband. They determine he's running a lonely hearts club, as they call it. George says, should we open the rest to see if they also are like this? And Nancy says, wait a minute, George. Looking it opened or partially opened mail is one thing, Mm. but opening mail that hasn't been opened yet, that's illegal. What is your suspicion, Nancy, that Edgar Nixon is a bigamist or maybe even a A trigamist? (laughs) Which is a bigamist who does math. So now we take a break for Gruen to prepare a delicious roast beef dinner and for them to read the newspaper, where we find out that Emerson counts on Nickerson Toe. The weirdest headline. Maud comes back to be like, all the mail was returned. So here's your $10. All it did was show what he wanted, which was the one letter. And you were just not getting what that quote meant. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Oh my God. What was it? So when I read, Nancy could see her excellent clue fast petering out, which apparently meant that she that the clue wasn't leading anywhere. I thought it meant she had been fasting from excellent clues. This is what Nancy does for Lent. She goes on a clue fast. This is her biggest addiction. And clue fast was over. Anyway, reading is hard. On the way out the door, she's like, I guess you've had your fun. Which I was taking it back as much as Nancy. I was like, what are you talking about, lady? According to Mod Skeets, (laughs) what teenagers are doing for fun is stealing and then resending mail. They wouldn't do it because then they'd be liable. Well, right. I only do legal things, Mrs. Skeets. So there was one book in which you met a lady who was a bit of a nag. The Bungalow Mystery. She wasn't the type. Yes. Hannah offers up some judgments of Mrs. Skeet. Imagine having to live with such a person. I don't blame Sailor Joe for taking long voyages to get away from her. To which Nancy Drew bursts out into laughter. I don't like this example of women tearing down other women. It's very interesting to look at this male-written Nancy Drew. When we get to the play due to Bert's absolute incompetence, I want to make this clear. N. Smith Drew was able to get this whole drama club together to produce a Shakespearean masterpiece. But after only a week of Bert's coaching, it's gone it's garbage and they have to put on instead a delightful little farce by the name of the mix-up in classic shakespeare men would play the parts of women but of course in the 50s 
women would play the parts of women, except in a farce, (laughs) in which Dave would play a man and his twin sister. A comical sight indeed, showing that Bert knew the true origins of Shakespeare and wanted to show them off. That's your interpretation. That's my interpretation That's of this. from an actor's perspective. Yeah, I, if, if I know anything about acting, it's that all the things I just said <laughs> are true. Why I'd stake my career on it. At the end of this play, Nancy meets Marion, to which Anne had been a governess. Marion sees fake Nancy at the back of the theater. Play ends. Marion talks to Nancy, who's real Nancy, and says she saw fake Nancy. They go out of the theater. And in all this time, fake Nancy has only had enough time to get around the corner. They run to the corner. She's gone. Maybe she went back inside to get her stuff. They go inside. One goes upstairs and the other goes downstairs. Now, in the time it takes them, everyone leaves the theater. They shut down all the lights and they lock it up. I mean, we experience it here in the gymnasium every evening, but I don't get the timing on this. You have to find windows. And they beat on them. No one can hear them. So Nancy finds a shot put ball, friggin' yeets it through a window, breaking both the glass and the chicken wire, coming very close to bludgeoning Bert, and they're like, oh, we'll let you out. The best part of this is the window's never mentioned again to anyone. Not afterwards, like you do after a date to the theater. It's like, (laughs) how about we go into my car and we just stalk Nancy Smith Drew? But before they can do that, a rock comes whizzing at Nancy's head. Why do people keep confusing teenage detectives with cats going through their garbage? (laughs) And he's like, I'm known all over town as the town lowlife, so I don't want to give you my name. I'm just a no good guy in this town. They give this guy's name Otto Bush. Some fella paid me $25 to do it. A smooth looking guy. And Ned is very manly. Catches the guy by the scruff of his neck. Shakes him up real good. (laughs) What are you doing here? What's the big idea? And he's like, well, I didn't hurt her. And Ned and Nancy are like, shoot, he got us with words. Another moment in which we understand Walt's understanding of the legal system. And here's the thing. If he thought that was going to work, it absolutely doesn't. This very night, I'm going to go to Nancy Smith Drew's apartment and talk to her landlady again. Her landlady's like, oh yeah, she went off to buy a wedding dress. Nancy's distraught. What if she marries Edgar before she finds out that he just wants her money? Now it's time for the football game! Girls, if your man is not like a general on the football field, he's not gonna be good arm candy. She does get called his girlfriend once, once, but she's also mostly his guest and his friend. Nancy gets to sit with Marion, which Two makes a lot more best sense of friends than Helen. Best of friends now. Well, whatever. Ned's doing all right. Then he gets hit and his chest hurts, but he kicks anyways. He misses the kick so much for the Nickerson toe, I guess. And then he collapses on the field. I didn't expect this to be how Ned Nickerson died. And it wasn't. Because at the halftime, you see that he's a bench warmer now. He comes back to win the game. It was redeeming his toe. Truly an asinine and tedious adventure. So they're going back to his fraternity. They make this whole page about her parallel parking as well as Ned could. So funny. They start walking. Some guy tries to mow them over in his red car. We know Edgar has a red car now. Oh no, maybe it was Edgar. After hearing painstakingly that they went and parked this car, you watch them go back to the car and drive away losing their perfectly good 
parking spot. So they go to the police captain. The police and captain's, oh, this is complicated. Then they're like, okay, off to the dance. This was written into the 1950s that Nancy Drew gets this drum roll. Do we have a Nancy Drew in the audience? She's like, that's me. I guess she's assuming she's won the publisher sweepstakes. She goes up on stage and goes, you are wanted by the police. Please exit the stadium. So she goes to where the police are supposed to be, and it's the theater. On instinct, she realizes that she should jump out of the way. Yeah, someone dropped the fire curtain on it, and that'll kill you. We get a drawing portraying this incident to us in the book. If you have a chance to look this drawing up. I don't even know. We'll put it on our Instagram. highly accurate. I will put this on our Instagram (laughs) because it looks like a girl speed walking off of the edge of a stage with a curtain draped behind her. It's nonsense. Somehow she ends up on the phone with Hannah and Hannah's like, yeah, me and your father are okay, but not Ira. His brother robbed him. Edgar searched his house finding $1,000 like you might find 86 cents in your couch cushions ira doesn't want to turn in edgar because they have the same mother edgar nixon is one of the slipperiest crooks nancy's ever met she goes to so many people looking for fake nancy or handsome edgar she goes to every marriage certificate place in the tri-county area she goes to landlords she goes to clerks she goes to airports she calls all the airports one clerk says to her upon hearing about this sounds like a mystery thriller and some of the if clerks you say so assume that she's just jealous of somebody who's a married. scorned lover to those of you in river heights if i carl hauser have a scorned lover looking for me <laughs> please don't tell them where i'm at from the clerks she deduces she must be going to london to get married and from that she finds that yes in fact they have tickets for for a flight. So she goes back to Mrs. Rodericks. Mrs. Rodericks like, oh no, she left while I was at church this morning. Nancy responds, oh fooey. Nancy Drew convinces her she's a detective. She hands over this note that Nancy Smith Drew left her. It's all Shakespeare lines. She says, it's just a jumble of words. Nancy Smith Drew felt that Edgar was being snoopy and didn't want her to leave a note. So she decides to leave a note to her landlady. In code. In code, telling her that she's not sure about the marriage. Nancy translates this Shakespearean letter like she's reading tarot. Yeah. Well, this first line refers to clouds. Planes have to rely on the weather to fly. Well, I think she's reverse engineering. She's making her theory fit the words. Bad tarot, maybe. Well, yeah. To all our... I love tarot. Edgar's relationship with fake Nancy Drew is very strange. She agreed to marry him after knowing him a few days, and yet she felt so unsure of the marriage that she felt she needed to leave a coded message saying so to her landlady. So he apparently read a note that seemed like nonsense and said, I don't see the words thank you, so I'm fine with it. Nancy has late getting back to travel back home with Bess and George and so they have to race back the journey is uneventful they don't even stop to eat meal the book Hannah had prepared some tasty chicken and lettuce sandwiches chicken and lettuce sandwiches a large bowl of fresh cut up fruit large bowl of fresh fruit comma cut up and a chocolate cake one chocolate cake The authorities are on to Edgar. They're going to catch him in New York. She has collected the evidence. He's a male fraud perpetrator. Creates hopeless hearts rather than happy hearts. 
Well said, Walter. So she contacts the authorities in New York. She knows he's going to be arrested at the airport. Girls? Dang, I could go for some snooping. Let's go to New York. Because Nancy Smith-Drew, who I have never met, is going to need emotional support when her fiancé is arrested, and she's going to want that from the girl who got him arrested. But apparently Edgar so much does not want her to comfort his fiancé. He pays another woman $25 to take her into a bathroom at the airport and chloroform her leaving her under a crib covered in a blanket where her friends find her pile her into the plane half drugged she sobers up on on the the flight flight. also weirdest point in the book for me Mm. is when nancy's drugged we get a conversation between Bess and George about where Nancy is. It's so weird that Nancy isn't in a scene. I've never read this book and mm. been in a situation in which Nancy's not there. Bess and George enjoyed that freedom so much that George concocts a plot that involves Nancy disguising herself. Oh, and here's the second part of my plan, sunglasses. says George. Pretend you don't know us. Yes, walk ahead of us a little bit. Further? Nancy Smith drew as her husband-to-be is a arrested. He's cold-hearted in a way that Nancy Smith-Drew knows that he never cared about her. He says, I stole the mail because Mrs. Quigley has a big mouth. I broke into your house to steal that one letter. She's like, what about the thousand dollars you stole from your brother? And he throws his wallet at her and he's like, take it. What a traumatic and emotional time for fake Nancy Drew. The wedding bills are ruined. I was really counting on this marriage. That's what she tells Nancy Drew. I mean, it's what she's been dreaming of since Wednesday. But does Nancy Drew sit there with empathy in her heart? No. Oh my god, her eyes immediately glaze over as she thinks, another mystery gone. Chasing the dopamine rush of danger and always feeling a crash of depression mm-hmm. when she has to see people be rescued but luckily, from evildoers. luckily she thinks quick and she helps Miss Nancy Drew by telling her, just go on vacation in London. Just go to England. Just Why don't you just go? Take one of these airplane tickets and go. The young detective always felt a vacuum in her life when this happened. But the feeling was not to last long. In a short time, she would be working on another case. Sign of the, the Twisted, twisted candle. candle. Until next time. Go, go Wildcats! to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours 